AFIDS is proud to acknowledge the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people as traditional custodians of the land on which we're having this conversation. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. AFIDS, listen. Hello, this is Mish. Hi, I'm Lara. And I'm Anna. AFIDS Listens is an alternative archive where artists share a work that they've made and a work that they love. So, Anna, tell us about the episode of AFIDS Listens that we're about to hear. So, I interviewed an emerging dance artist and choreographer called Trami Din. It's actually the first time that I met her Choreographic Award at Dance House recently, which she ended up taking out the big title. So it was really cool to chat with her about the process and just you get a how trophy from well, you win the Kia Awards? Look, like a massive trophy. That is just a, t- a trophy and a, and a massive check is what I see in my brain. I don't know if that's how it works, but I just think competitions are so weird and fascinating. Um, and so it was cool to chat to her. Have you won any dance competitions, Anna? Have I won any dance <laughs> competitions? So I, 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 I danced since I was three and I was a bit of a razzle-dazzle kid. Um, what type something of I'm proud of. What type of dance are we talking about? Are we saying jazz? Look, jazz, contemporary, ballet, tap. Tap was a real thing for me, song and dance, song oh, and that tap. makes so much sense. Mm. <laughs> what about you? I did ballet and I also did something called funk street dance, which surely shouldn't exist. But yeah, when I did ballet, I didn't get any of the like choreographic roles. I got the kind of acting roles. And once I had to play like an orphan in rags and my mum had to spray paint like some of my clothes brown so that so I looked like a street orphan or urchin. An urchin makes a lot of sense. What about you, Mitch? Absolutely. I uh, absolutely started off with ballet and made my way through. I also studied funk, which I... I, I <laughs> studied <spent>. funk. Studied, <laughs> yes, studied from the school of funk. Um, I'm not sure if funk as a form still exists. I don't know if that was just a 90s thing. Mm. It's uh, almost, yeah, the, the word has certainly come, gone out of common parlance, hasn't it? Oh, in your communities. In, but yeah, perhaps that's in, that, that speaks more to who I spend my time with, that I'm no longer fluent funk in dancer. Funk. <laughs> well, it does make a lot of sense while we're doing our little dance breaks in the studio now, um, which has kind of, kind of become a bit of a thing weekly for us. So I mean, it's more a requirement because the heating's minimal to kind of warm ourselves up than anything else. It's true. Absolutely. (laughs) Whatever it takes to get the blood flowing. All right. Well, hopefully the dance that we hear about will be significantly more sophisticated than the dance we do to keep ourselves warm through the cold Melbourne winter. And I can't wait to listen. Hello and welcome to AFID's Listens. This is Anna and I'm with Trami Din here on Wurundjeri Country at the AFID studio in Nam, Melbourne. Welcome, Trami. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, so I recently came across your work at the KIA Choreographic Award. Mm. And it was a really beautiful duet piece, which kind of oscillated between various finales, mm. lots of beginnings and endings. Yeah. 
And having a dance background myself, I was really entranced by the work. I thought it was really aesthetically beautiful and rhythmic and really presentational. Mm. Um, and the work ended up taking out the prestigious title. So congrats. Thank you very much. It's, um, yeah, I mean, that part of the whole experience is still landing on me for sure. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty pretty epic way to end that experience, I guess. Um, yeah, so awesome. Did you grow up as a competition dancer? I did or? a bit of I did a bit of a Stedfords, but I wasn't I didn't go to like an Stedford school, you know, as like one that was like super into them. I did do them and I did like competitive Irish dancing actually as well, which was that was way more like intense competition, like big trophies, big hair, fake tan, shiny dresses, like I feel like that was my experience more so of the intense competition vibe where you were you know your numbers like your score was read out so that was intense but yeah this is an interesting this the Kia Choreographic Award sort of based as this competition is an interesting framework it's a strange framework that I think many people feel uncomfortable with um because it's strange to yeah it's I guess that's what separates art or dance maybe to sport is that it, it, it isn't normally graded against each other um, and so it feels somewhat unnatural for us to be doing that in this way but at the same time I think it's a great opportunity to celebrate and also push people to show art in a oh, I don't know in a way that is maybe is unusual and that maybe produces different and new things. Yeah it's super super fascinating particularly because I think that you know, dance requires extreme levels of discipline in the same way that a lot of sports do. I was just having a conversation with my friend that I was just with about, like, dancing and why we, you know, uh, sort of about how we study the act of dance, potentially, or the way we look academically at it, which is amazing that we can study it in that way, but also the act of dancing is the important thing which is really interesting to me when it comes to kind of um contemporary dance because I was having a, a chat with with some peers and friends around watching contemporary dance and what that means because I think as an art form it's a really interesting mode because there isn't language attached to it a lot of the time and you mm. can kind of interpret it without you know it transcends language and time in a, in a way that some other modes of performance or art can't mm. and one of the people I was with was saying how hard they find contemporary dance because they want to attach meaning to it mm. and a lot of the time it doesn't allow it doesn't mm. allow that in a way that maybe some more narrative based theatre or yeah, you can, yeah. other modes of performance could so yeah what's your What's your take on that as kind of a maker? How much meaning do you attach to things when you're making performance? Um, I like to watch dance personally without... I, I don't, I'm not looking for meaning personally when I'm watching work. So I, that's my preference when experiencing work. So I suppose that I hope that audiences that I'm making for would approach work in the same sort of way but obviously not <laughs> um obviously there are many people that don't see it that way and so rather than trying to convey something to understand I think I'm trying to convey something for people to feel or experience in to have a visceral reaction to or some sort of response kinesthetic response maybe but more mental like it 
I'm looking to affect people in a way and I'm, I'm trying to manipulate how they're affected. That's exactly what I'm doing with choreographing bodies in a space or choreographing particular moves or particular moments to happen at the right amount at the right time that has the best amount of tension that has kept people people engaged for this amount of time or whatever. So I think I'm trying to convey meaning through atmosphere and tension and building a, an experience rather than trying to tell people that this is about X, Y and Z, um, I think is the way that I try to approach that. But with this work that I've just made about sort of endings, it's quite a simple idea. And so I think it's, it's something that people can grasp a hold of quite quickly so I don't think I had to for that work think too much about about how people were going to ingest it because I, I, I thought that it was quite not obvious but matter of fact and quite there just to be witnessed and seen in a way that I think was plain <laughs> in a good way though yeah. hopefully perhaps that's a good segue into talking about a work that you've made what's endings is that the work you want to talk about today can you talk us through what that was, how it came to be. Yeah, so it's funny, whenever I talk about this work now, I call it like the end or endings or something like that. But the actual title of the work is the something. Like it's the with a couple of lines, underscore lines there that reference, you know, there's enough room for the word end to be there. So I, that's, but there was also, you know, I, I gave it that title because it is, it's a bit vague and there is room for you to imagine another word there or whatever word you want. But it is, yeah, I am thinking, I had been thinking about endings a lot. I, um, it came about, I was thinking about my grandma who passed away a long time ago, not a long time ago, six years ago or something, and she very much believed in reincarnation. Um, and so I was thinking about her relationship to that more obscurely and sort of more in the back of my mind. I think subconsciously that has just... I've been thinking about her in relation to that for a while. And then I was just sort of... My um, my parents separated a couple of years ago and I'm, I've been going through some personal questioning about, about endings of errors or chapters in your life, where, like within work, within relationships, within the global friggin' pandemic, like... Mm -hmm. And sort of I have a more broader interest, I think, through my work. I'm now realising with the work I just made for Kia, with a work I made last year called um, Holding, with another work coming up called Upholding, they all look at time. And, and I think it's because I'm so thrown by how vast time is and how much has gone and how much will come later and I, I as a silly little human find it quite hard to wrap my head around the idea that time is just ongoing and that we're also time is a construct that we've decided to help us get us through all of the bloody time there is so yeah this <laughs> work the something has definitely been a bit of a meditation on on wrapping things up or where the end of a certain amount of time is or something like that so I was looking at shorter more matter of fact things like the end of the day is you know it's the sunset or at the end of the day when you get home you take your shoes off or the kettle has boiled once the ding has gone and that is the end of the boiling of the water like it's you know more mundane sort of things and I just wanted to go into the studio into the rehearsal room and play around with ways that I could show or not show but offer experiences that connected to all those ideas. 
Yeah, generally speaking, if you have to, if you had to kind of tell someone what you want to do as an artist or what you wanted to do, particularly with this work, what would it be? Oh my God. <laughs> um, reflect, I think. Reflect on, on their own experience of life and time. Like in particular, I guess these works are, are questioning time and just for people to then experience the work and see hopefully how it has parallels in their own life or how it relates to their their philosophy on life I think is is something I'd love for people to yeah for people to have that sort of experience I think as an artist more generally though I I would I just think dance is the best thing in the world (laughs) and such an incredible experience um, such a sensation seeker and I think when people are invested in dancing or not invested when people are in a crowd of others and everyone's moving everyone's dancing doing something together basically it's just collective experience but particularly dance is one of the most uninhibited ways to connect to your body to the land that you're on and to the people around you I think and that when more people are more connected to those three things they're more empathetic and they're greater people and if more people are connected to dance then I think we have a better chance of being nice to each other and so as an artist I hope that I'm able to make work that invites others along on the journey to not on a journey but just like I make art that invites others to access it because I think that contemporary dance is obscure as fuck and it does make people feel like oh how the hell am I meant to view this thing where where's where's the meaning because this is just a bunch of people running around on stage doing weird shit and that can be so frustrating to watch sometimes because people that maybe would really fucking benefit from having some obscure art in their life and that would challenge them to reconsider the way they think about their relationship to the way they walk around a room or their relationship to their mother or the relationship to their friends. Like we need more people like that seeing, yeah, ingesting art and particularly ingesting dance and in like understanding about how to have more of a, um, a richer connection to their body. Like we need more people to do that. So I hope that I can make work that is accessible in that way for people to like enjoy without feeling like they need to understand something that's too intense it's a big mission statement (laughs) but one that I definitely align with I think you know the immediacy of bodies moving in space together there's nothing like it and I think going back into the theater I hadn't actually been back to dance house since Mm, the pandemic or I you know gotten in there for a little lockdown period when they were able to open up for a a month or two last year in 2021, yeah. I think. But it's just such a powerful medium and mm. it was it was beautiful watching your work kind of wash over the audience in a really kind of visceral way. And also it was just so aesthetically pleasing and I am um I'm a triple Libran so I um do do love my visuals Mm. I'm super into sensorial engagement I suppose in kind of in an audience member and in my own practice too are visuals really important to you uh with making the work 
the something. Uh, what were you thinking about in kind of in terms of the visual design and the elements? How did that feed into the process? Definitely a very visual person. I think that's like I realised with making this work about endings. It it was more about visual references of things coming to a close or an interaction coming to an end or a very obvious thing in a visual way um and so because of that I saw that I sort of see things or saw the work as like vignettes of or episodes of or tableaus of x y and z and so that visual way of thinking about the work definitely had an influence on just the way on the structure of the work but more in a design way I knew that Kia, just like in terms of parameters, I knew that Kia had a white floor and a white psych. And I was like, great, leaning into that. I love white. (laughs) I I want, like, that says sleek to me. So I want to lean into that sleekness and I want us to be wearing all white and then I want the colour to be able to wash over us completely. And it allows for the intense colours that I want to really, to to make us a part of the set, I suppose, or a a part of the space. Um, And I felt like... The all white and then the way that we used light was um, a way in for us to really create a world that people were um, getting an eye into. Yeah, so light and sound was so important. I Yeah, I dance is awesome. I love dance in the club. I love dance in a small gallery space where there's one person and you're a metre away from them and it's super intimate and you get to see all this minute detail of just like a human moving around, like fucking beautiful. But at the same time, I love the... The theatrics of theatre and the magic of lighting and how you can really change a space and change the atmosphere of a space through light. And so I really wanted to lean into that with this work and I felt like a sunset or a sunrise was an important indicator of time for humans and for the globe, for the actual planet. Um, I suppose it's this very clear ending and beginning, ending and beginning consistency. Um, And so I wanted to be able to have that in the work and that, yeah, I'm so glad Adelaide Harney, the lighting designer, was able to create a really beautiful sort of gradual sunset thing. It actually looked even more stunning at Carriage Works because there was a bigger lighting rig, I think. (laughs) And there was some more opportunity to see more gradients of colours, which was awesome. But, yeah, I'm really keen on the aesthetics of this work. I really liked it. I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm a fan too. It was really stunning. It was, I, I think you just said sleek before, but it was also really chic. So. <laughs> a really fascinating way to lead into our next kind of section about talking about an artwork that you've loved because I've heard you say a few things in this chat already around experience and senses and world making Mm. so I'd like to ask you about an artwork that you've experienced that you've loved and I and I'd really like you to kind of take me through what I would have experienced if I was with you okay (laughs) um I'm going to start with so there's this work called Beauty by Oliver Eliasson and I think it was made in 1993 and I saw it at the MCA in Sydney when I was about 17 on a visual arts excursion and it's this, yeah, it's, a, it's I mean, it's called Beauty for a reason. It's a stunning work. It's in a small, well, I think it depends which gallery you're in, 
But here it was in a small, dark room, so the walls are completely black, everything's black. There's a lot of... There must be quite a bit of um, soundproofing as well because it's really silent in there. And you walk in and there's one spotlight and it's shining onto some mist that's falling down in the centre of the room. And so the way that the light is catching the water, it creates this sort of floating moving rainbow and it as you move around the space this rainbow moves with you and it's everybody has a different experience of it of course the constant fall of this water is giving you a different like it's so live because the work is consistently changing as you move around and the light hits it in a different way the water falls in a slightly different way and yeah it was I remember just being so struck by the instant transporting of your body to somewhere else I'm not sure where the somewhere else is but I just felt so calm and in awe of of just of nature actually because it was just light and and water Uh, I was like wow that is it's such a simple it's so simple it's light and water and it like water particularly I think the for me the experience of it being water as well has now I realize like it is water is just and I suppose light is as well, but just like the start of all life form, like you have, like we must have water, we need water and it is essential. And so it's a beautiful texture and yeah, it was just so affecting. I think rain, I think I'm, it also has this, you know, it sort of looks like rain and mist and that is a very, it gives you a certain experience, you know, what, what's it like to walk in the rain or what's it like to be in nature walking through the bush or walking through a rainforest when it's raining. It's such a, it elicits so much so quickly. And so, yeah, that work in particular really got me interested in understanding multiple perceptions and refractions of one idea or something like that because of this, you know, you can move around the room to see all these different angles of the work and get a slightly different view every time. And I think that that led me into an interest of looking at one thing and then opening it up into sort of looking at one thing through a kaleidoscope and seeing the different versions of this one idea or one concept. Mm. It was the first piece of visual art or first piece of art that I felt like I could experience and that I could actually, it wasn't just something to look at, it was something to feel, I viscerally felt, I I feel like I even thinking back on it now, it's like I feel like my feet got more grounded into the floor in, in that space watching that work. It was it really made me feel like I landed somewhere. And to have that experience is incredible to, tra- to, yeah, to have this visceral reaction and response that then, you know, it's, it's a body response as well as an intellectual response is incredible. And he just did that with light and water in a dark room. And, it, you know, it's really simple, but it's such a stunning, has such a stunning effect and I think, it, it also taught me or gave me an idea that, yeah, it's sometimes not always about mastering a particular skill or a craft in, in, in a skill-based way or in this, like, you have to be good at, you know, drawing inside the line or um, pointing your toes enough or whatever and that it can be, you know, the simple things that make us go, oh, my God, how awesome is life? <laughs> Yeah, it really reminds me of this term which I encountered. I remember Oliver has um, that episode on Abstract mm. on, on Netflix, that series. It's a really beautiful episode. But I remember watching another episode and they coined 
the term immersive empathy design, which is kind of around creating atmospheres and environments where people can really connect with themselves. And so um, yes. <laughs> I, I've, I've taken that phrase on in various elements of my life. I think that the idea of kind of immersive the, the word immersive can be a bit yucky or I think it's kind yeah, of got yeah. this association attached to it where people are like, oh, not another immersive yeah, show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But really what it is is exactly what you were just saying. It's being immersed in an environment and, and feeling completely kind of embodied and connected in that oh. space and, and light and sound and water are really powerful tools for enabling that. Yeah, yeah. sensorial bliss like it or just heightening your senses it I think it invites people to heighten their senses and that is an overall invitation to actually listen to your body and which is just yeah primary I think for me currently the space I'm at at the moment I'm like the biggest thing for me is trying to listen to my body is number one and try and prioritize listening to my body because so often we're just listening to our our heads and directing our directing our life through logistics and I'm yeah, that's something I'm personally trying to do a lot at the moment. It's just like, how do you quieten everything down and just like listen to what's going on in your body or listen to what your body's trying to tell you? Yeah, which can be a really hard thing to do sometimes. So hard. Oh my God. How do you see someone like Oliver's work in influencing your practice? What, mm. if you think of 17 year old me, yeah. You, <laughs> watching beauty in the MCA gallery where does that take your work now I'm not the biggest fan of the black box theater and I actually do like a gallery context way more probably because of the like mostly white walled white floored nature of it because it is just uh, I, yeah I don't know maybe it's just like rebelling against the black box because that's just what I've been in forever but yeah I so. love that to, to rebel against the black box <laughs> ridiculous put me in a white box I don't want to be in the black box anymore but basically yeah light his his work of experience of like creating experiences when you were saying it actually I remembered like I cried and I think that was maybe the first time I ever cried at a piece of art and it because it affected me so much and maybe I don't know why I cried maybe it was just like an overwhelming of emotion or overwhelming of feeling of, of being like whoa I didn't know I could be affected in this way or something like that and I think I'd like you know I don't want to make people cry but I want to show, I think that that work or that his work that is often light-based is it, it draws people back to themselves and the, what they're sensing in their bodily experience of things. And I hope that that means that when people do that, they have a certain sense of self-reflection and empathy for their own experience and for others' experiences. And I hope that maybe I can elicit the same sort of reaction in people when they, yeah, when they... Are connected to my work in some way and I hope I'm able to do that in performing as well as well as well as like making work like I think the act of a performer or that the role of a performer is is to help these is to help audiences see themselves more and yeah I hope that by being a human and just by being yourself as much as you can on stage which I think is one of the most important things about being a performer or a genuine good sort of performer is when you are just comfortable <laughs> and in yourself because then you feel when you watch someone that is like that you just feel completely safe to go to wherever they're trying to lead you towards yeah and that 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 helps or invites an openness in people and an empathy in people 
yeah, because at the same time as me being going on about how incredible art is and everything, you know, it's such a privilege to be able to make art and and to be able to be surrounded by it all the time. Yeah, it's a privilege that not many other people have and sometimes actually the most human thing is just like getting on with it and living and, <laughs> you know, daily mundane stuff. And so if we can ensure that the beauty of some artistic experiences can also have, you know, the approachable rhythm of everyday life within it, then I think that's a good way to keep people involved in art. <laughs> yeah, and it's something that if you can, um, as, as you say, it's an immense privilege to kind of be making art and being able to view it, but it should be a, a human right, and it is, and it is in so many ways, and, mm. and embedding that in, in children as early as day dot is so important because it means that you're able to kind of view the world in a more expansive way. Mm. Um, you've said so many beautiful things today. It's been a real privilege to talk with you. I've learned a lot. Mm. Um, and I really can't wait to see what you do next. Yay. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Aphids, listen. 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 Listen.